got an intro who needs an intro when this is the squad games podcast what's up everyone i'm uncomfortable we we didn't have any banter before you actually talked about what we're doing here no we had a lot of banter we just didn't record it that's true yeah we were dunking on eric for using that one browser (laughs) (laughs) he didn't even get to hear any of it yeah (laughs) we were to be fair to be fair i used microsoft edge today as well um, because I was setting up a laptop Ew. for my mom and I had to open it to download Chrome. So to be fair, <laughs> I also used Edge today. It's got to get used once. <laughs> you know, my wife uses it on occasion too. I was and I don't that. know why. I, uh, I like sometimes have to use it when uh, it's a work-related thing or I need to just do something without with absolutely zero extensions or anything like that. Um, but usually i'm forced into it it's fine it's fine Uh, it's fine so eric is that your preferred browser no i'm just lazy (laughs) (laughs) so you just clicked on the first one the first one there just the one that came with the laptop nothing else i'm i'm pretty simple when it comes to technology i kind of go against the grain honestly my cat wants to leave that's fair that's fair you just you scared Giacomo's cat away with that Eric so Eric this is the first time (laughs) you've ever been on the squad games podcast you uh, are uh, you play with Plaza Spam you are part of Plaza Spam's team do you want to give us any more of an introduction about yourself and your kind of role in the team sure so I have been a member of Plasma Spam since the founding of Plasma Spam back in 2018 when I originally met the founders, uh, Stephen Green, may he rest in peace, uh, Orion Wilfong, Daniel Valente, and Will Blood. Those were the main people. I was uh, just about to go to grad school and I was playing 40K just like all of you guys for a really long time. And I saw all those players playing a small skirmish game. And I thought, well, I was always into Drukhari or back then Dark Eldar. And I thought they would make the best kill team because of their lore. And so kind of got started there, talked to a couple of them about the game, what to expect. And then I started showing up on Tuesday nights there and playing with some of them. And uh, since then, you know, we've helped create, along with you guys and people from New York and Florida, a really strong community for Kill Team since then, almost five years now. And uh, basically, my role is to help bring in people to Kill Team, just like you guys, uh, increase the community awareness of it tell people that if they have models at home already from their 40k army to just bring them to learn an intro game if they're interested Um, i also help host events not as elaborate as you uh dakota but you know just (laughs) just trying to get the kill team brand out there and 
I think mostly what's important is hosting an event, but showing that it's not just about winning and getting golden tickets, but it's also to enjoy the hobby and the game itself. Okay, fair. Now, um, you are coming to, you both are coming to LVO. Uh, uh, all four of us on this podcast are. And, um, you know, it's pretty exciting because, uh, Eric, you're coming, f- this is going to be your first time and you're coming for the competitive event and Emmanuel, this is your third or fourth time. And you're coming for the narrative. Ooh. Um, well, 2020, then, uh, we all blacked out for a bit and then <laughs> what was it last year? So third time, I guess for me, third time. yeah, okay. yeah. I'm coming for the narrative event. I'm super stoked for that. Um, very, very excited. Um, also coming for that, that sweet old, uh, hobby track score as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm increasingly excited the closer it gets. I, I cannot, um, explain. Good. Yeah. We, the narrative is going to be a lot of fun this year. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of us are putting, I have a core narrative group that is helping build I kind of came up with like the general gist of what I kind of wanted. And I was like, all right, fellas, uh, go ahead and take it away. And it's mostly Saya, Rob, uh, and Sheldon that mm-hmm. are putting a lot of the footwork and legwork behind it. Sheldon's done all the art and he's done mm-hmm. half of the pack. And so is Rob and Saya's coming up with more of the story. So, And I've um, played both in Sheldon's narrative stuff and uh, Rob's local narrative stuff. And they're both absolutely top tier experiences. Um, the narrative tournament events that Sheldon's has done, um, have been super fun. He always does very flavorful kind of, um, flavorful, um, equipment to give out to people with mm-hmm. cool bases of operations, that kind of stuff. And, uh, Rob's story and creativity with, um, the stuff he's done in our local, uh, narrative campaigns has always been, um, a riot to play with. Um, so it's with those two folks along with Saya. Uh, I, I can only, I can only imagine myself grinning from ear to ear for three days straight. You'll become the Grinch. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm already green. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then Eric, you are coming through and you're going to be playing the competitive, which is going to be the largest in the world. We have 164 tickets sold to LVO this year, um, which is 50 more tickets. Then the closest event, which is Warhammer World at 117. Now, let's see if all of them show up. You know, like it's always, we're always going to have some kind of drops. So we don't know what number we're going to actually land at, but uh, that's pretty exciting. Are you excited? Uh, I have to be honest, I don't want to get too excited. And the reason why is I've learned in the past if I get super excited about something, I'm usually disappointed. Now, to be fair, I have promised Orion and Dan who have been there for the last two years that I would finally go. And I am starting to get pretty pumped for the event because uh, I'm excited to disappoint you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to compete with someone that was on the podcast recently with you for a uh, best sport. Because if I knew someone was going to get a gold ticket for best sport, I would have showed up in California with O'Brien. <laughs> All right. So I would like to play that individual, hopefully throughout the three day event. 
mm-hmm. and get to meet him and talk to him and, you know, just get to understand why he likes the game and what how he approaches to making fun uh, events and specifically interactions with his opponents as well. I think that'd be very interesting. Are you talking about Aiden? I am. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Aiden's Aiden's a legend. He's a fucking Uh, legend. And he's uh, colorblind. Yeah. Oh, oh, one of those. That's right. I remember that. One of those. (laughs) (laughs) So a man, let me tell you everyone a little story about Emmanuel. Emmanuel loves, loves, to do colorblind things to make colorblind people's life a living hell. So let me explain. I don't, I don't know he, if that's entirely he, accurate. I think you're he right. just <laughs> sent a picture of his of his keyboard, which is very hard for us colorblind people to see. It's a red lights and black keys. Now I can see it, but it's difficult. He also loves to paint the color green. So that's number two strikes. And the third strike, this is BFF Alex Squires. He bought him these gray dice with oh, red tips. Right. And I can't fucking see them. So whenever I play Alex, I'm, yo, I'm like, yo, Alex, I know those are your homie's dice, but I don't know what the fuck you wrote. And he's like, oh, my bad. So at, Emmanuel's over here actively, you know, aggressively. Uh, hating on colorblind people. Yeah, so. it's it's actually been my life mission um, ever since I was a young child and enjoyed Doritos for Cooler Ranch Doritos for all the wonderful colors they I provide. <laughs> I made it my life mission just to dunk on colorblind people knowingly and unknowingly for the rest of my life. You got me pegged. I do. I did. And then Giacomo's right there with you with this fucking Dorito <laughs> Gaskin. This Dorito <laughs> Gaskin. <laughs> 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 cool ranch, cool ranch casterkins, man. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's so, funny. so, um, yeah, Aiden's awesome. He's going to be there. Uh, he's bringing some, some amazingly painted models. So, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't end up playing him, maybe you guys can catch a game afterwards or mm-hmm. in the after dark. Oh we, yeah. We're going to do, um, so that should all be a ton of fun because the after dark is going to be very loose. You can, you can do what we're doing or you can play an extra game, you know, outside of it. And hopefully, uh, I'll convince Sheldon to bring his giant black light to make it a uh, even more spicy. Um, Yo. yeah, so it's going to be pretty exciting. It's going to be pretty fun. Um, so looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to seeing you again, Eric. Oh yeah, dude. We haven't seen each other since Nova. Yeah, and then before that, it was KTO. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I've seen I've seen you quite a lot this year, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> but not enough, not enough yeah. for my tastes. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, now that we got the LVO discussion out of the way, you know, uh, we're going to move on to a little bit more of what what our actual topic is for today, um, and that is. What is intent for Kill Team? What is it transformed into? And if it's good or not for the game uh, and everything to do with it. And then we'll go through a couple other small talking points as well. But, um, you know, there's... Intent is a very tricky subject um, for a lot of reasons, right? Um, it's only and a tricky subject if you intend for it to be. <laughs> Boo this man. Boo me. I deserve that. <laughs> so it's, I mean, 
I am intending, I'm, I'm skirting around the subject because I'm not trying to um, hurt anyone's feelings that loves to play by intent. Uh, I think playing by intent is good if you do it in the correct way. Um, I think that at Worlds and uh, through us watching people play in tournaments and stuff, sometimes intent can be abused. Sometimes intent can be misused and other, sometimes it's intentional and sometimes it's not right. And by intentional, I mean, sometimes it's actively cheating, right. And other times, you know, obviously, you know, people don't mean to do something. Um, and it's, it's a very tricky subject to, to talk about, especially in a competitive type game, because if anything, if games workshop has, has shown us anything is that this is their competitive game. 40k is not competitive uh mm-hmm. currently um i mean it is but it's not as fun it's the five plus meta you either run vehicles or anti-vehicle and that's it <laughs> really is that what it's become because vehicles vehicles suck donkey balls for a long time g vehicles fuck right now really so you're yeah. telling me i can bring my 14 f- falcons and and smash kids yeah i don't know falcons <laughs> are, maybe well, legally you can because you can only bring the rule of three Apparently, vehicles are great, except for orc buggies, is what I heard. Which is they—they're kind of cool. Like they can do the crash thing. Yeah, I mean, I had before. This is super tangential, but before SEO, I think 2021, about six months prior to that, um, I was building a speedwa full of buggies, and then a speedwa—not speedwa. I think they were freebooters. Um, one SEO with nearly the exact list that I was just building for fun. And then they just got dunked on with nerfs mm-hmm. and, um, all that plastic is still sitting on sprue in a closet right now. So, um, if buggies are in fact fun and good, um, so I'm not just showing up and losing, I might actually put them together and play a game of 40 K, but to echo what Dakota was saying about competitive, from what I hear from tons of folk, including, uh, Alex is that, um, while it can still be played competitively, 40 clay um, in the current rule set is fun, but not as competitive as most people would like it to be. Correct. Is that is that kind of what you're kind of getting at? Because that's what I've heard as well. It's a, it's a balancing thing. Like there's so many mm-hmm. units and so many armies. Yeah. So many units in each army, I should say that it's hard to balance that amongst every other army where you can balance a team that's smaller. Mm-hmm. And, you know, generally get the core rules working really well with it. And that's why this mm-hmm. game has stayed so tight. You know, And I think mm-hmm. I think there's been multiple sources and multiple people saying that Games Workshop views this as their most competitive game. In fact, I was told this at LVO last year. Yeah, uh, by Brandt. Yeah. And like this is this is the game they want to be um, the most competitive game. Right. And that's mm-hmm. I mean. I mean, they might have their reasons why they don't support Hobby Track. I'm not really sure why, um, but I have a feeling it's because they want this game to be, you know, more, more or less. I mean, this is speculation, but you know, more competitive. And mm-hmm. while that's unfortunate in the aspect, we obviously don't know if they have future plans or what they're planning for this year, this coming mm-hmm. up ITC season. But like. I, this game is very competitive and it's usually well balanced. Um, there's some times where there's some meta things that, you know, flippy floppy, you know, cults, um, but what? Caster Kings, Caster Kings. Um, <laughs> I, I do think, I do think that there's a lot of teams that have play into Caster 
So I don't know if they're going to actually just like dominate the entire meta, but you know, LVO will tell. They'll, they'll mm-hmm. tell a lot of stuff. I think Blooded is great into them. Mm-hmm. So it's Pathfinders and, you know, Vetguard are good too. So, <laughs> but like, so it's close right? the gap and then they could be like, yo, gaze by the gods. Here's a critical and you only have three attacks in close combat and you just like wreck them, you know, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. saying from experience <laughs> that dude, I mean, they can close the gap like you die. But you like, if, you, if you got the range, you just kill them. You heard it here first. Blooded are going to win LVO. <laughs> blooded, blooded top seed at LVO. Craven <laughs> bring blooded now. I know. <laughs> I know he will. I felt the wrath of Nick Craven's blooded before. Um, <laughs> Shout out to the NC. There you yeah, go. Yeah. Oh I my love God. that guy. That guy is a fucking legend. Let He's me tell a you chill ass dude. So, he really is. But quick funny story about Nick. Um, Dakota, whenever there are big events that are pretty local. Nick and I are rooming buddies and Mm -hmm. the, the night of after we get the day two for the first round, um, Nick always looks at me before we go to bed and he's like, so how should I prepare for vet guard or how should I prepare (laughs) for Corsairs? And he gets out his tablet and he starts looking at the maps and he's like, so should I put my model here? You give a comps here and do this and that. And you know, I just have to be his emotional support buddy. And of course. I, it's, it's hilarious, but how much he was looking forward to playing you day two and how nervous he was at the same time <laughs> was, it was great for just to be a bystander and just witness it. But well, yeah. I was, I was also bunking with all plasma spammers. So it's not, I didn't want to oh, ask, yeah. I didn't want to ask a single one of them to be like, Hey, how do you play into blooded? I've never played them before. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to go to sleep and see what happens tomorrow. Yeah. And the answer yeah. was, you know, get fucked. And that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw, I immediately saw into the dark and I was like, Oh, that's going to be hard. Oh, this map. Oh, that's even worse. I've never won on this map. <laughs> when I saw the end of the dark map, Nick turned around and looked at me and I saw the board and then we just like smiled at each other for a second. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Nick's probably going to win. No, yeah. no offense to your vet guard. Your vet guard are amazing. It's like that um, that gif, that meme of the dude who's uh, out in the wilderness and it kind of slow zooms in onto his face and he yeah. just gives like the slight nod. That's the moment you shared. <laughs> um, back to intent? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I guess it's our intent to get back on track. Yeah. Hey. Oh, so yeah. it's okay if you do it. All yeah, right. this is our podcast. Uh, fine. fine. I understand. I get yeah, it. Boomy, yeah, destroy I'll, me. I, I will. I will. I will concede that point. But G, um, G can do whatever he wants. That's right. <laughs> he edits it, so he can do whatever he wants. Literally. I can add a fart noise here. I won't, but I can. He'll just come back and add his own puns in later. He, he adds in the bullet shots again. You know. Fun That's fact: right. uh, this is something special for mr alex popov he he i'll read the message uh because it's funnier this way i think it's going to be funny all right uh, cat, there he is uh he's showing me pictures of stuff what else did he say uh yes uh yes i like how you are almost silent when the two eldar nerds drool over the blades of cane rules and eldari lore giacomo stood when sg P fell to the Xenos fanboys. He doesn't know, or at least won't know until then, till this releases, that I wasn't there for the second part, mostly, and I just put myself in there in post. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's funny. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we left open like spots that G could just like insert himself. But um, yeah, G had to leave early because it was a four hour long recording session. Jeez. And, oh man. Yeah, and um, because we didn't realize how how much it was going to be like <laughs> to go through both teams, uh, <laughs> and then we just nerded out for a little too long, and G had to leave. So yeah, it was good. It was dope. So with an intent, um, how do you guys think it all started? I guess maybe where we should start there. Well, the game, I, I, I have a lot of thoughts on this and the game when it was new, um, a lot of competitive folks, and this is going back to uh, previous edition, um, kill team 18. Um, a lot of competitive folks learned very quickly that uh, the game is won and lost on fractions of an inch. And the first time I ever encountered intent is with positioning. Um, I'm intending to be 8.1 inches away from your model with the flamer. So that way, when they make a charge, you know, um, they don't get overwatched um, because they're just out of range. Uh, that kind of stuff. That's the first time I saw intent and I didn't see it much. It used much else for really anything else in last edition. Um, not that I recall at least it might've come up maybe, but um, it was heavily just for distances and positioning. I think last mostly. edition, it was mostly like my intent is to have this guy completely hidden Oh, yeah, that, you know? yes. And yeah, visibility. And then, and, and, yes. and then, yeah. And people were like, okay, yeah. Can any, can any of you guys see them? They look, no. All right, cool. Yeah. And the purpose of that was to solve a problem of this game being needing that precision at high level play, but a simple nudge of the table can change those fraction of the inches or slivers of visibility and lead to a completely different board state. So having that communication with your opponent um, allows you to restore a game state that was critical to your positioning, right? Um, and my opinion is that that's where intent should begin and end, honestly. And to speak to what you're saying of how intent has more or less gotten a little out of hand, um, or maybe the, to, to phrase it a little bit differently, because um, out of hand is probably not the best way to say it. Um, it. It's gotten to this point where people seem to intentionally or unintentionally lean on intent to protect them or allow for situations that intent should never be involved in. Um, especially moments where um, there's intent that wasn't communicated or not explicitly communicated. Um and I think that's where the line is between what intent should be and what it's being pushed into where it really doesn't belong. I hope, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Can I piggyback off that? Hell yeah. Go for it. Okay. So, um, so I completely agree with Emmanuel. I believe that playing by intent, at least from my understanding, and please tell me if you guys agree is for someone to say to their opponent what they are trying to do and see if that action or play is actually correct within the rules 
and making sure that their opponent knows exactly what they're doing. And to go off further even more from you, Emmanuel, um, I also remember last edition for the 2018 Kill Team version, playing Orion Wilfong, playing Chris Bakke, playing Shane Smith, some of the top players at the time, and still are very top players, that I don't ever remember them telling me, well, my intent is to be back here to shoot you, but you can't shoot me. Or my intent is that you can never see me. I think part of the reason why intent was introduced into the new version of Kill Team is because of the lack of communication between players because of the new edition just coming out and players still learning the difference between rules like visibility, obscurity, and movement and completely trying to understand what your opponent is trying to do correctly under the new rule set. And the new rules also allow for a lot more nuance with positioning and a lot more nuance with actions and interventions and stuff. Um, Auras and interruptions and stuff like that are a lot more complex. So I think that also introduces a lot more space for folks to have arguments or uh, assumptions based on intent. But honestly, like it's whether it's I intended to do this because my guy can do this um, unless accurately communicated, that's no one can be in your brain to prove that. Right. And I think that's where mm-hmm. it starts to head into a gray zone and starts to become um, a complex thing to manage, not only as a player playing someone who might be overstepping the boundaries of what intent should be. And then unfortunately the TO being roped into a situation where it almost becomes a, he said, she said situation, right. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is a super unfair place to ever put a TO in because TOs really, um, they in an ideal situation are only there to clarify rules disputes, right. Not, personality Mm -hmm. or intent disputes, but it it happens uh, as we're people playing games, right? And people are inherently flawed and stuff like that will happen. So TOs have to, um, have to jump in G and, and Dakota and Saya have to jump in to, um, to help resolve situations like that. So hopefully with more clarity on what intent should cover and shouldn't cover that actually eases stuff, not only for players, but also for uh, the TOs too. Right. I believe so. So I agree with you both, but I do have one stark difference. Um, I think that you both said it very well, but I do think that intent is more of a new player problem um, rather than the addition being new, right? Or this addition came out and it was like this. Maybe that's kind of how it started, but intent usually happens with every new player as they are learning the game. And that's okay. That's 100% okay. If, if you're trying to communicate to your opponent, hey, my intent is to do this, then your opponent should more or less be like either accepting or like, hey, I don't think you can do that. Let's see if you can as together because you're playing the game together, right? So well, can, I, when- can I interject real quick just for a clarification, sure. just to make sure I'm understanding. Um, when you're saying intent, um, is we might be 
looking at intent in a different way. Um, because when, when you say as a new player, that's, that seems to me as someone who's trying to accomplish something and calling out for a response to verify that they accomplish what they think they can accomplish with what they've done based on a newer understanding of the rules. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yes, but I think that intent encompasses everything. So what you guys have spoken about and this, right? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. and that's that's why that's why I wanted to clarify because I think there is a place for intent with very experienced players as well. Um, in that example that I gave of establishing a very precise board state to ensure that everything's above board, pun intended. Um, <laughs> with what you're trying to accomplish, being just outside of charge range from a bomb squeak, calling out mm-hmm. my intent is to be here, measuring it, allowing space for your opponent to measure it and saying, yes, I confirm that. So that way, later on, your opponent has, if something gets nudged, it always happens, even with a most precise play, right? Something gets nudged, something gets bumped. You know that, okay, well, now I'm just within charge range, but we talked about this before, so it wasn't the case back then. Right. So I think there's space for it. I think that it can very well happen more often with a newer player, but the, the intent of using intent, God, that was terrible. Um, I was trying to find it. I was trying to find a different word. G I swear, but the purpose of using intent in that scenario is different from the purpose of using intent in a more experienced player's hands. So I think there's two ways to come about intent or at least two ways. I think intent encompasses all of this. And I think that uh, it can be a bad habit or something that somebody picks up on um, that people are just like, oh, my intent was never to be charged. Because we start running into issues when somebody says, my intent is for you never to charge me. My intent is for me never to be in blast range. Right. And unfortunately, uh, if your opponent sees something that is like that, and when a TO gets called over, or something and be like, oh, well, I said at the beginning of the game, my intent was never to be blasted. It's like, yeah, but you actually have two models that are like right next to each other. So how could that be in your intent if that's, if, if you're like, if you didn't actively do that, right? And I see I think, what you're saying. And I think that there's, there's, that's when we start running into problems with intent or the way that people, the people are using intent or is, is to be like, my intent is not to lose. Right, like that, <laughs> that is never beaten. Yeah, and that that mm-hmm. is an issue, right? Like, yeah. obviously, we're all coming to the game to not lose the game. We all want, like, competitively, we all want to go and have fun. Does intent have a little bit more play, like in a narrative space or in casual space, when people are still learning the game? Maybe they don't play as much, or they might forget some rules. Absolutely, and that's that's completely fine. And um, I think the example you gave is a perfect, perfect. Um, uh, a, a perfect way to highlight the boundaries of intent, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's a very, it's a very different thing to say at the beginning of the game. Oh, you have blast, you have dynamite. Okay, my intent is to never be within two inches, two models within two inches, right? And then, you know, turning point two, mistakes happen. You forget about it. You move models between, and then say, oh, but I said, you know, forty-five minutes ago, blah blah blah. That's very different than me moving a gunner up next to comms, measuring between the two, saying they're just outside of two inches. My intent is to have him here outside of two inches from that model. That's a very different scenario. And that's mm-hmm. also 
very different from a new player versus an experienced player because the first example, which is the one that you highlighted, saying a blanket intent at the beginning of the game, that's something that a newer player might do or someone who's leaning a little too heavy on intent to try and overcome a memory skill issue kind of thing later on in the game um, versus the opposite end of that. The second example being a very experienced player keeping that information in their mind and accessing it for the game. Because the difference between a very good player um, who gets their golden ticket and a player that's not at that point yet in their kill team, um, kill team journey is accessing and keeping and executing on that information. And even the most experienced players still make that mistake. I, I'll give you an example of where I made that mistake, right? And um, I'll give you an example of how I did not lean on intent, right? Um, it was actually a recorded game. It was streamed at LVO. Um, I played um, Baki and Pods, um, His Blood and My Commandos. And I don't remember exactly where the score was before this point, but there was a very specific mistake I made that pretty much sealed the deal. I think we were pretty close. I might have had a slight upper hand. He might. We might have been together. I don't remember exactly. All I know is that I had taken out a sniper. I'd made a dynamite play. I'd put him in an awkward position with what he wanted to do. And then I moved my comms and I eyeballed the charge range of his um, Ogryn and it seemed out. I didn't measure. I also didn't call out at that moment. My intent is to not for you not to be able to charge my comps. Had I called that out or had I sat down and measured and said it, then um, it would have been completely fine because he would have measured and said, oh, you know, you actually are just within charge range. I said, okay, I'll move back, right? Had I called that out and said that, he would have verified and found out that I was actually still within charge range. So I can intend whatever the heck I want, right? I'm still legally within charge range. So it doesn't matter what I'm intending. I'm, I'm not, it's not a valid board state that I'm calling out. So I have to correct it if I want to satisfy my intent. But I eyeballed it and I was wrong. He said, oh, I'm going to charge. Um, I'm going to see if I can charge your comms boy. He measures that out. He's got like at least a quarter of an inch extra. So it's close, but it's not one of those charges where you're kind of hovering over and you're trying to see. It's like, well, if I look at this angle, you're not over my base. It's like, he clearly had the charge. And I said, oh, well, my intent was not to be in charge range, but I eyeballed it. That's on me. Go ahead and beat him up, right? Um, I called out what my intent was, but that I failed to actually confirm that intent. And I said, you completely have it. Go for it, right? And where was I going with it? Oh, and that's that's an example of where the boundaries of intent um, are, where I could have said it but I didn't. And because I didn't say it, I can't just say that I intended not to be in there. Even if I said at the beginning of the turning point, I intend to always be outside a charge range of that Ogryn. And then I do it like 10 minutes later. If I don't call out that specific movement and then verify that call out and allow my opponent a chance to either agree with it or measure it and say that I'm wrong, then I can't just rely on that blanket statement. So yeah. that's why this all, like, like you said before, Dakota, this all falls under intent. You're absolutely right in saying it, but there's boundaries to when it's appropriate and when it's inappropriate to use in competitive play. I think we can agree on that. Is that is that fair? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I think yeah. I th I think that you you said something in there. You just glanced over it though. That's very important. Go for it. Um, I think that when you're using intent, 
it's very important to call it out. And then your opponent, and let's say somebody's doing this against you or saying this for you, it's very important that you make sure that his intent is valid mm-hmm. because yep. there's, there's two things that are going to happen. So let's say Emmanuel moved his guy just in range. You said, hey, my intent is not to be in charge range. Chris is like, cool, cool. And then he later on chooses to charge that model and be like, oh, well, actually you're in charge range. You know, like the TO gets called over, obviously, if it's not being recorded, um, the TO has to side with rules that are on the table, mm-hmm. right? So it is both players' jobs to make sure that the intent is being properly measured and that that model is in the correct spot, especially for blasts, for charges, for being able to get just in range of of some of like a like a like a melt a gun or something like that. For instance, um, there's a couple times at Mary Mayhem recently um, where I I moved up a guy to melt a gun. Uh, a guy and I didn't measure out beforehand. I wasn't like that careful. And then I was playing against Corsairs and then he, he did the three inch charge on me and I was like, Oh, obviously my intention wasn't to do that. I didn't say anything because mm-hmm. I was within, I was within three and I'm like, good. He, he got the gotcha. I'm mm-hmm. glad. Uh, obviously I shouldn't have moved there, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it is what it is. Right. It, but mistakes happen. And exactly. what, what, and, I guess what I was trying to, I forgot where I was going with that story, which is a common thing with me, but, um, I, I made a mistake and that, that single mistake likely cost me the game. Right. Yeah. Um, and if we all play by perfect intent with a blanket statement or a clear, obvious optimal play or optimal move or something like that. And we lean on, well, it's obvious I wouldn't have done that. Well, yeah, but you forgot a rule and we all forget rules. We forget interactions. We, we make misplays and that's what, otherwise we're just playing dice simulator, right? right. Um, it, it, it's all about not just the team, but the pilot and the pilot who has the least mistakes and maybe the best nudge of dice at the right moments because it is a dice game there is a luck factor but usually it's the player with the least mistakes um and the more optimal plays along the along the course of the tournament that's going to come out on top at the end not the person who knows all the right things to do but constantly walks back to the right thing once they realize that they've made a mistake and that's where the intent thing can get super blurry. And I'm seeing that happen more and more and more um, in a lot of competitive spaces too. And I think that's the main reason why you wanted to bring up this topic. Is that right, Dakota? Um, I've, I've wanted to bring up this topic for a little while. And also Eric reached out to me and told me that this is something that probably be good to talk about. Oh, and okay. I, to- I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know Eric has a lot of thoughts and opinions on this too. Um, <clears throat> Eric, what do you think, brother? Oh, oh, well, sorry. Uh, first of all, I have to give a shout out to Emmanuel referring to a Top Gun reference. That was awesome uh, for <laughs> old people here. Um, but I completely agree with where both of you guys are going. I will say, Dakota, that intent I think is very useful for newcomers to the game. I think it's really good if you have a teacher like yourself, myself, Emmanuel, 
uh, Giacomo, um, O'Brien, Chris Bakke, players like that that have been around the game a while, no interactions, because then they can kind of learn a little bit more that what the game is about and how they intend to move models. But I, I will agree with Emmanuel that being a TO myself for a very small event, but a golden ticket event, and then also other events that I've been to, I've heard of stories and I've been there right around the interactions where good players have realized they messed up. And when they see their opponent catching on it and they're about to activate their model and do the action to make them pay for it, they'll deliberately bring up, Oh, well, my intent was to do this when they never stated that before. And I think that's where this gets tricky because like you said earlier, nobody wants to call anybody a cheater. It's really, it, it's a big sting to someone and you don't feel right telling someone, Oh, well you're using intent to your advantage. And the, the other point that's really hard too to come with that we all know that friends have had to deal with recently at really big events and small events to possibly even get a golden ticket is players not believing what their opponent's intent actually is or mm. their play is one thing, but then their actions are saying another. And that's very hard because if you want to play a game of intent and just talk for two hours, don't roll the dice. And that's, <laughs> that's my opinion. Like um, I'm all for learning. And if someone's like, Hey man, I'm moving my model right here. Is there any way you can shoot me this turn? I'd be like, we measure it out. I'm like, no, you can't, or I can't shoot you. That's completely fine. That's different. But for someone. Or I can't shoot you right now. That's yes, the proper, yes. that's the proper response. Yeah. Because, because you always, you you got to say like, Hey man, I can always move and I still might not be able to shoot you, but yeah, your model right now. Yeah. I can't shoot him right now. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's important to establish because people will then fall back on it saying like, Hey, you said you couldn't shoot me. And it's like, I think I think that's that's where some of the hang up is is like obviously mm-hmm. we're all communicating right and mm-hmm. sometimes our failures in communication can lead to to these like altercations which is maybe intentional maybe it's not intentional you can only really decide if if somebody's using intent um and then the negative way, if it's uh, if it's a habitual problem that that person has, right? Mm. Um, or I think that's fair. But I also will say that some top players can use it to their advantage by doing certain things and then um, saying like, "Oh, you know, like I I never would have let you get that shot off in the first place. Obviously, I didn't mean to be like right there. I meant to be touching the 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 base, the the building. I didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There." There is certain things that, you know, players also have to stick up for themselves for, you know, and be like, Hey man, well, you didn't say it. So I get the shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly right. The saying that, Hey, I'm touching here. So that way you can't shoot me from this space. Um, If you say it and then the model's not there later, then you're, you're, you've, you've covered your own button there. Yes. Um, Now I I do want to touch on what you said about the, um, can my model be shot, et cetera, et cetera. I think you're absolutely correct in that it's not your job if someone's trying to prime you for con- uh, intent for you to then go through your rules to prove to them that 
no, none of your abilities, none of your extra moves, this, that, and the other can get a model into a space that can then shoot that op your operative in the future. Just, wow, I jumped around a lot there. Um, if I'm putting a model in a spot and I call out to you, Dakota, if we're playing, it's like, can you shoot this model? I think it's correct. And I think it's fair and not unsportsmanlike for you to say, um, I can't shoot you um, right now. Um, and I think it's fair for you to also withhold to a certain degree um, without, or not withhold, but to not volunteer additional information if not asked of you, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I fall into that problem a lot. I end up playing about 20% of the game against myself by volunteering and offering way more information than my opponent was asking me for. That being said, um, at high-level play, we know enough about other armies and how they work to at least know how to ask certain questions. Like, where, where are your um, remaining active models, right? Where's your gunners? Okay. Um, do you have any way to get an extra APL? Do you have any way to get extra movement? I don't have to memorize all of Hunter Clade's rules or all of Corsair's <laughs> rules, um, but I know what questions to prompt my opponent with to then verify for myself, okay, well, um, if you can get an extra APL and an extra move, that means that you can move 10 inches with that guy. He can move maximum distance all the way over here, and from that angle, he still can't shoot me. Okay. Like, I can go through that process myself if I really want to verify it, but mm -hmm. you don't have to tell me, well, I can move this guy 10 inches and shoot you from over here, um, unless, you know, I, I explicitly act for it. And 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 that's that's something that um, I actually learned from Chris Bakke. He gave me the advice, don't play against yourself so much, man. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I end up doing that. <laughs> and I, I play against myself on my opponent's side way more than um, than I should in a competitive game because I offer all that information without being prompted for it. Yeah. Um, well, I so will, I, I will agree and disagree. I think I mostly agree mm -hmm. that, that, um, I think sportsmanship wise, it is always important to, to, to tell people like things that you can do, mm -hmm. but like, and if I'm playing like at a top table or something like that, am I going to remind my opponent that I have a spotter? Probably not. Mm -hmm. you know, that can flip somebody's engage. Um, earlier in a tournament, I might be like, Hey man, just remember I have the spotter. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, but I do, I do think it's important to never withhold information on purpose because that's when oh, you yeah. start that, getting, uh, that, that's malicious. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and that's why, that's why uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Eric. I, I want to, it's okay. I want to ask, uh, you guys, because all three of you were from the last kill team and this isn't a shout out or, you know, making fun of the players from this kill team only. Do you think that because of all of the questions being asked this edition, that the players are just as good? Or do you think that because of us playing from the last edition and not asking as many questions and having to actually know the chess game inside your head and not as ask as many questions. Do you think that players from 2018 are more equipped to just play and do better in this edition and that it was more new players bringing intent over or not? I still ask tons of questions. Um, that was my habit last edition too. Um, 
yeah, I'm always, and that's kind of where I was getting at with knowing the the right questions to ask to verify if your intent is valid. Um, so I, I don't know if the the question side of it, um, or maybe I'm not fully understanding what you're what you're um, in, entailing with that. Well, All right, let me I... restate then. Uh-huh. Uh huh. For for the game right now, I I agree with Dakota and you as well. I think that there should be questions, but there should be open ended questions too. So, like if someone asks, "Am I able to be shot right now by you?" You should say. Not at this moment, but I have something that I can use. So then this way you're not giving the opponent everything and they have to think about it. And it's not just they're given everything, but then if they ask further, well, is it like a strategic, is it a tactical ploy that you can use or is it a strategical ploy? Then you can tell them a little bit more about it because I feel part of the game is being taken away and the actual chess match is being taken away because you're not allowing your opponent to actually think about what it could be and then learning from their mistakes like you don't want gotcha moments obviously in the game right but at the same time you i feel like part of the game is gone because we're using intent so much and we're asking so many questions that take up a lot of time throughout the match itself yeah i think going to both your questions and then g i know you want do you want to say something first g no go ahead um, going to both your questions, I think people from the past edition, I would say are not as good as players now currently, um, nowhere near, because I think that kill team, uh, 2016 through 2018 is, was very, or 2018 through 2020 was very much new and, you ha- you could have like 40k players that were good come over and do well at the game. I mean, I'm exactly. uh, I that's what I did, right? I I was good at 40k previous editions, maybe not 8th. Um <clears throat> and ninth, but I could come in and do really well in kill team because it was so similar. I feel that players now since the game is so much different and maybe not all players. So we currently have players that are either new or we have players that are coming from 40 K or other game systems. And this game is very different or has, or was very different. I think Mm -hmm. 10th edition and Warcry and some other games systems have either stolen or we've stolen stuff from those systems. So there are more similarities now, but I think that some, some things are able to transfer over like, there's a couple people that play chess that I know, and the more that they've played chess, the better they've gotten at this edition, just because they're getting better at strategy. <clears throat> um, so I don't think that having to know everyone's rules because there's maybe a more simple edition in the past uh, helped people uh, in this current edition. I think that um, people that play this game a lot or think about this game a lot will just innately be better because they make it more of a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, yeah. I think this edition is all about when, when it comes to that, it's, it's a really good exercise in learning how to communicate. Um, to, to touch on what you were saying, Dakota, I, I completely agree with what you said before about how um, you never want to withhold information. And just to clarify what I was saying by that, um, there's always that moment for you to explain your gotchas 
at the beginning of the game Correct. and to be very clear about those. And that's that's where sportsmanship really starts with being very upfront and clear about your gotchas. Like this guy can bust through walls. This guy can shoot on conceal. This guy can teleport across the board. Um, clearly, I'm talking about my commandos. Um, yep, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but suffice to say, it's not your responsibility to continuously remind your opponent at a top table play that don't forget about my breach. Don't forget about my breach. If it's out of view, you know, move your token, move your marker. So that way they know where your breach is. Um, and if they ever ask, it's like, Oh, can anyone charge me? It's like, well, my breach is right here. Um, and you could stop there. You can volunteer saying, and he can go through walls. That's obviously the next question is going to be, how can my, how can your breacher get to me? He's behind a wall. It's like, well, he can go through walls, remember, right? So those are instances where your opponent can prompt you for those questions, but you don't need to sit there the entire game continuously reminding your opponent of every single rule that you have if you've done your due diligence to be upfront about those in a clear and concise way and always volunteering it whenever it's asked of you. But um, the questions that are important to ask are the ones uh, that an experienced player will get to knowing what rules are commonly broken or what rules have been broken by teams of the core rules that allow certain situations to unfold, like the breaking through walls, getting an extra APL, flipping orders from conceal to engage, those kind of things. Um, but those questions, um, do they slow the game down a bit? Yeah, but the game's also would be a lot slower if we had to sit there and memorize every team's rules and um, stress out about it without communicating and asking those questions. So um, effective communication and getting through those questions is a good exercise to go through with this game anyway. And I don't think it makes players better or worse. It's just um, a different, more complicated game that does require those questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gee, you've been silent on this subject so far. Do you want to add anything before we... No, and I think you guys pretty much hit everything on there. I mean, the last thing you could say is the game is more complex than 2018, uh, and I would give that hands down to Obscuring. That one rule alone really... Uh, yeah. Hey, half the teams ignore it up, now. Man. Half yeah. the teams ignore it now. They still Who have something to That's ignore, it. But, That's why. That's why yeah, they're giving yeah. that rule out like candy. They're just like, no, we, <laughs> we don't want this rule anymore. There's going to be a data slate that says us like, Take obscuring, throw it in the bin. But obscuring is the, is the most important thing in this game. Uh, <laughs> it, it, honestly, obscuring it is. is the once once you understand obscuring. And line of sight, yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Line of sight and obscuring. As soon as you figure those two things out, like you know how to drive the teams. You know, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what team you're driving. You know how to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And 2018 didn't have that. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's important to still use. Um, hey my intent is to be able to get a non-reciprocal shot on this guy. Let's say you're playing on into the dark, right? Right. Yeah. And so like you move your guy and then both players can both agree that you currently have a shot that's non-reciprocal on another model, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's important to clarify to your opponent and then have that, that opponent also say, yes, I think this is a good spot, right? So that you both are, are kind of cool. And then if there is like, somebody's like, no, I think I have it here. And the other person's like, no, then you call a TO over, right? Mm-hmm. And then the TO will, mm-hmm. will clarify and be like, okay, you have the movement. Okay, here you go. Like yeah. if somebody's being obstinate or being, you know, a little mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, 
intent deserves to be in the game. The problem mm-hmm. is, is I feel that like we all have a have a similar intent thought processes, but um, in other other areas of the world, they are played a lot more by intent. Um, uh, for instance, I heard a lot of stuff. I didn't wasn't at the world championship, so this is a little bit of hearsay, a little bit of gossip. Um, there was a lot of of um, intent play at uh, the world championship this year. And um, it didn't rub everyone the correct way. Like it, it, some people were not happy by some of the ways that some, some of the things happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like intent is a little bit of a cultural thing. Some cultures, which we have to remember as we are playing in kill team, that if somebody is from somewhere else or they come from a different gaming group, they might play a little bit different than you. Maybe you use intent a little bit more liberally. Maybe the other person doesn't. And both players need to come to the table and realize that they have to come to some common ground when they're playing with intent because it is a game and there is a give and take aspect of this game, right? If you mm-hmm. don't, if you just take everything, no one's going to have fun. If you just give everything, you're never going to have fun. There is a give and take and we have to remember that we're all human beings and we're all playing together and that but also, we also have to remember that we have to stick up for ourselves and we can't let anyone just walk all over us, right? Yes. Be, oh, my intent was not to be blasted. It's like, well, my guy. <laughs> you got you're three people the, touching blazes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter what you want to say. Yeah. If I rules. didn't know you could get there. It's like, yeah, well, my yeah. blades of cane can move 10 inches in torrent. I'm sorry, my guy. <laughs> I didn't know that. Sorry. I told you at the beginning of the game, you know? And he had ample, he had ample opportunities to ask as you were moving. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think the best way to kind of round out a discussion like this is to explicitly define what intent can be used for and how it should be used and full stop. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the, and I could volunteer kind of how I see it and how I, um, how I define it to see if that is something that lines up kind of tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, intent is in intent is useful in the game to accurately communicate a very precise game state that not only is something that is your responsibility to call out, but also your responsibility to verify with your opponent. Um, it's not there as a blanket catch-all to protect you from making mistakes or missteps in the game. Um, If an accurate call and return of a specific scenario with intent is not made, then when a TO comes by, as Dakota stated before, regardless of what was said before, he has to go by with what's on the board. So example, um, it might seem tedious to you, but to call out every single model that you move is not within two inches of another one is the correct way to do it. And to verify that your opponent sees your ruler between your models two inches and says, yes, they're not within two inches is the correct way to do it. If that's critically important to your success in that moment, if you, don't do that and the board gets bumped 
it's on you, unfortunately, right? Um, similarly, if they were too close together and the board gets bumped and you never called out that they were closer together, then hey, you bumped into a positive in that situation, right? But um, it's also your responsibility, as I said before, to make sure that your opponent agrees. And this is something that you said very briefly that I do want to call back to because it's not okay for you to say, well, I told you my intent was to be outside a charge range and you didn't tell me I wasn't, right? That's not okay because it's not your opponent's responsibility to measure and prove your intent. Um, you can ask them to, or you can measure it and say, do you agree that this is outside of eight inches? And if you ask a very specific question and they don't answer, then it becomes a very uncomfortable situation. And that's when, as you said before, you call the TO over to verify the movement at the point of intent. If your opponent's being a little obstinate, which is not common, but I mean, it could potentially happen, right? So long story short, intents not to blanket cover any mistake. It's to accurately define a very specific scenario on the board with those parameters confined within that statement of intent. And that's where it ends. Yeah. So to round out this, this part, uh, how about we talk about a couple times that we've used intent either correctly or incorrectly, and then we'll talk a little bit about things to watch out for, for your opponents saying like, obviously like blanket statements is, is, mm. is, is a red flag, right? Be like, my intent is never to be blasted. It's like, well, you have custodies, so I'll give it to you. You know, <laughs> but like, <laughs> you know, I get it, but like, oh, you're playing vet guard. Uh, you I'm sorry, my guy, like, I can't agree to that, you know? Um, yeah. <clears throat> Gee, do you have anything you want to start us off? Do you have anything that you use intent regularly for or have used it in the past? Obscuring. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, 100% of the time, all right, my goal is to do non-reciprocal shooting. From right here, could you ever get into a position to shoot me back? And then my opponent thinks about it. They measure. I use the laser. Buy it now at leftersworkshop.com. Lasers available <laughs> $20 each. Um, it is a good laser. It's a great <laughs> laser. Uh, so we measure. We use the laser. We see it. It's good. Obscuring. Shooting's all done. Taken care of, right? That's how I use intent almost all the time. That's mm -hmm. really the only time it comes up for me, actually, I think. Probably charges, too. Charges, too. Charges mm -hmm. too. Like if you're trying to be like, I, I know you're right here. I don't want you to get within the eight inches. So I'm going to, is this far enough? And then your opponent verifies the range. They say, yes, it's all good. I think Giacomo's too, too used to playing intercession. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so he, yeah, he's it's insanely he, easy. He, he's like, he's like, he's shoot, actually like in the same thing. I just have well, to make sure they can't shoot me back. Well, he's mm -hmm. like, he's like, he never wants somebody to not charge him. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Come at me, bro. Death. Angels of Death wins games. <laughs> um, I can give an example of, this is a little bit Uno reverse card, when I inaccurately responded to someone calling out intent and how I managed that. Um, I was playing a game and someone moved someone somewhere and said, would you be able to shoot this model if he was with a concealed order in this position um, at any point, this turning point. 
Um, that's very really open and hard. That's a really hard ask. That's like, really, that, yeah. To yeah. me, that is too much to ask. You'd be like, mm-hmm. my guy, I'm not going to spend five minutes measuring all my guys. Yeah, right. Like that is not my, my, that's not my problem. Uh-huh. Well, fix. If you want to move cla- there, move there, my guy. Well, here's a classic example of where I was playing against myself then, because I voluntarily volunteered to say, okay, uh, I went through all my shooters and I thought I had verified with all my shooters. Like, yeah. No one, no one could do it. The only ones with, uh, with the movement would be, um, no, I don't need to go through all that detail. Um, long story short, later in the, t- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, the, yeah, it's just too damn nice, but the, the, um, I overlooked my DACA boy being able to, because he just, I was so focused on other guys. I forgot that he would have a long shot. Right. I noticed this later in the turning point and I said, I apologize before when you had asked, blah, blah, blah. I had said that this guy couldn't shoot. Um, I see that he can now. So I leave it up to you. I could take the shot since it's technically valid or because we agreed I can just pass pass with him or I can do something different with him and just not shoot at that specific model that I said was safe. And my opponent said, you know what, just take the shot. And in the end, he whiffed all the shots. So karma helped uh, helped out my opponent there, allowing me to. But that's how I handled a game state where I inaccurately um, called intent, but then saw a viable shot. I left it up to my opponent. Um, and I think that that was the best way to handle that. I probably shouldn't have volunteered all that information and all that line of sight checking on my own. <laughs> but uh, that, that's how I handled that situation. So for me, yeah. So, so for me, um, I had a game with true at Nova, uh, shout out to true. He's a, he's a homie. Um, it's very good at Vetguard as well. It was a mirror match. And there was like one point in time where I was like, Hey, my Melta Rambo is going to go through this door. And there's, there's like, you know, those little alcoves inside of Octarius buildings. Mm -hmm. My intent is to be in this alcove, like as far as I can on conceal. And, um, you know, it was like the next turning point. He was like, Hey, I'm going to shoot this guy. And I was like, Oh, remember his, my intent was to have him in here. Cause I was sitting down. I wasn't trying to like walk around to his side to make sure I was tucked in or pick up the building that I had models on also. And then he was like, Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I, Oh yeah, I remember. And he's like, Oh, mm-hmm. in that case, I'm going to use the spotter to do that. And I was like, can you see him? And he's like, yeah. And I was, so we called the TO over and the TO looked, he's like, yep. Yes. He has vision cool. You flip him to engage, shot him and he died. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, that is like the way to make sure that when you're using it intent, you know, you want to use it Mm -hmm. just to be like, cool. Bada bing, bada boom. Mm -hmm. Another one that we would use is like that. I did. Can can I pause? And I just want to comment on one thing that you said about that. You did not call out the intent. If I tucked in here, would you be able to shoot me? I would never say that. Uh, well, me, I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying that you did not. So the proper response is when he says, okay, well, the shooter, the spotter can shoot you and blah, blah, blah. Um, accepting that is the correct thing because, because the reason why I'm pointing that out is that part of where intent gets pushed out is that someone might then say, it's like, well, clearly I was intending to be so far in that alcove, so I couldn't get shot. So, um, blah, blah, blah. You said I wouldn't be able to, I, Clearly, my intent was and trying to push away the spotter activation. 
And that's part of the issue that we're kind of addressing here, that your intent was very deliberate, clear, defined, confined to that definition, and anything outside of what you declared in that intent, regardless of what the perceived intent in your mind of being in that alcove is not valid as an argument against the spotter being able to do their thing. That's what I wanted to call out. So anyway, your second example. Sorry. I also will say that I, 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 and for intent, I, I will never ask somebody never, I want to move to this spot and never be charged this round or whatever. Right. Like, I don't think that using the word never is, is good. I will sometimes yep. move to a spot and be like, Hey, do you have anything to give me, give you uh plus one to charge? No. So you can only charge with eight inches with that model. Yes. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to measure eight inches and I want to be at nine, you know? I'm going to be, I'm going to be definitely out of range because that's what I, I'm not going to be at 8.1. You know, I want to be at nine to guarantee because I think even saying like, Hey, I want to be at 8.1. I think that's, that's rude. Right. Like, (laughs) I must be rude then because I've definitely done that. I don't think that's unreasonable. You put down I mean, eight inches and you're just outside of eight inches. I think that's yeah. fine. Yeah, no, I mean, it is fine. It's just sometimes you'd be like, hey, you know, like I'm going to make sure that I'm not in range. You know, I want to, I want us to both make sure that I am never in range. Okay. And if you're, if you can get a, a nine inch charge later, cool. You know, um, Another time that I had, um, I, I did an intent thing was, or I didn't do an intent thing. This was tried to do against me. Um, I moved a comp. So first turning point, very first action, I think, no first action. I moved a, they chose a escort operative. I moved my model back. They did something. My second action, I moved a comms over and I gave my demo man plus one. Their action, they used a cultist psychic witch lady um to give my spotter minus one apl my next move i took the the demo man and i tried to measure around one side of the building and i couldn't get a bomb off but i moved the other way and i could and i could blow up two devotees and they asked me um hey can i uh, can i take this move back because i didn't know you could get to the spot Right. And I'm like, sorry, no, I'm sorry. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't see this coming. And you know, I mean, it is, I didn't say that, but it is what it is. Right. So like, yeah. I think that's like the important things to remember is like, sometimes you can give somebody something like that, but mm-hmm. it was a really big game defining play. It was one of it was like, they only had four devotees left. If I killed those two, then they only have two. Right. Um, well, it's all th- about context of, when and how and what the game is that that question's being asked because if it's in a narrative game casual game with your friends yeah yeah just whatever yeah sure no problem yeah you yeah. just change your activations like all that but when it's a game with stakes and people are competing to ensure that uh, as a way of testing their skill then it's it's entirely up to you and completely valid whatever you decide, whether you let them walk it back or not, whether you're going to be, whether you're going to be graceful in that moment um, or not be graceful, whether you're going to choose to give them that move back or be firm to the fact that Mm -hmm. they missed um, something that is very clear that you're doing. And I mean, you even gave an APL to the model at that point, you pointed at the model, uh, you, you actioned onto that model, the demo man. So there's, there's really very, very narrow um, arguments to 
no, I mean, I would say zero argument to to walk back an activation so that way you didn't get the devotees. Yeah, it's very it's it, that opponent was also very graceful. He was like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, and then and I mean, it was a game defining moment, and they they realized that or um, they're you know they probably lose the game at that point. Right. Mm. Um, very graceful on there on that side too. So like, like you can always ask, don't, don't be afraid. I was about to say to that. Ask, like, right? you, you can always ask is what I was about to say. There's no harm in asking <laughs> you worst case scenario. You still lose the devotees, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think intent definitely belongs in kill team and there's certain ways to use it. But as a TO, I've seen, I've seen it abused quite a lot, but I've also Agreed. seen I've also seen some TOs kind of go Nazi on it. And I don't mean to say Nazi lightly. Um, like like some tournaments would say uh, absolutely no playing by intent, or um, you know a bunch of other kind of crazy, absolutely in, insane rules. And I don't think that you should be modifying as a TO. I don't think that you should be modifying the game to say that intent is not allowed because like, <laughs> why would you go to a tournament? That's going to be, you know what I mean? Like, are you not supposed to communicate with your opponent? Yeah. I, you know, there, there are certain ways that you can go about saying certain things and it's, it's about educating a player when you see it being done incorrectly as a mm-hmm. TO. That is our job. If we see something, we say something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that's, so true you can't just get rid of it because there's a very clearly defined benefit and purpose to playing with intent um getting rid of it entirely completely gets rid of the misuse but then it also complicates the the scenarios where there's benefit of communicating that intent yeah agreed it kind of goes with like yeah, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna not talk about those tournaments anymore we'll just <laughs> focus on the positive um Eric, did you already speak on this? No. Let's um, go, homie. Let's fucking go. Well, thank you. I, I So originally when we were, uh, Dakota and I were talking about this, Emmanuel and G, uh, this was right after a tournament. It was a local tournament that I went to. A lot of Plasma Spam members were there. Uh, we went to go see Adrian Martin, who is... Uh, Love Adrian. Yeah. He's, he's the leader of Victory Gamers and hosts a lot of tournaments. Um, what really got me thinking about intent and where the game has evolved, like all three of you have stated in this podcast for the listeners is um, I was playing a teammate of mine and this, this isn't his fault. It's because of how the game has evolved since it started. Um, he was playing green skins or no, I was playing green skins and he was playing commandos and he really didn't play much into green skins uh his name is liam he's one of the garrett's and if if you know a garrett they're very good at kill team they and, sure are uh i think it's genetic they beat me they beat me dude oh. they're 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 nasty but um so he's a little nervous because uh one of the tournaments before we had a little bit of uh and not an altercation, but a dispute about something. And I told him before the game started, look like that was then it was our, it was our fault. We didn't communicate about it properly and we were fine, but I just didn't want him to feel negative or any 
uh, negative effects from the last game going into this game. So it was at the end of Turning Point 1, we were on Into the Dark, and he had a DACA boy that he dashed right behind a light, uh, a, a barrier. And he asked me now, again, I'm defending him in a way. My hearing is not the best. So I could have misheard him. But what I thought he asked me was, if I move my DACA boy here, you can never successfully actually charge me, correct? From where you are right now. And I said, yes, from where I am right now. And he was like, okay. So the turn ended. We go into turning point two. I get the initiative and I take my boss who had a boss pool. I moved him. I dashed him. And I was within an inch of an inch of the model to then use the combi scorcher and tag him in the breacher. And he's, he brought up, oh, well, you know, I thought we said as long as I'm more within like an inch behind here that you really can't get to him or charge him. And I said, yeah, for the last turn. And that's where the communication and intent was kind of bad on both of our parts. And it kind of led to like, well, I sh- I'm definitely able to do this because I measured it right. But because of the previous event that we had for a golden ticket, I didn't want it to be sour. You know, this is one of my teammates. This is uh, a good friend of mine. I've gotten to know him for a year and like a couple months at this point. I didn't want him to feel like the game mattered more than our friendship and what we've developed. And I said, you know what? It's okay. Cause it's, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. And I just told him, you know, going forward, I said, maybe it was my hearing or, Uh, I said there was a lack of communication between the two and throughout the rest of the game, there was never a lack of communication. We were very good with that. And that was probably the one bad time I had with overall intent and communication with me playing in a game. Uh, I'm never going to be at the top table. I will never try to be there. I'm there to just chill and roll dice. But, um, that was the one time I would say negatively that kind of made me think about where the game is at the moment and how it has evolved since the beginning and how it has changed a lot in many ways. And then kind of going back to, Oh, well I kind of messed up. Maybe I didn't want to move this model as far because now I know that he can actually get to me and then also maybe kill the breacher boy as well. Cause I believe Dakota, we played at Nova And from what I remember, our communication was spot on and there was no shaky intent rules or anything. I think we had a really good time from what I remember. Yeah, I remember your demo man guy, your 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 blast charge killing my Melta, and then I I only in death and killed him back and it was very Yes he did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean I mean definitely uh, communication failure is a part of the game. You know, it's a part like we can, I went to school and I graduated with a communication degree. Right. Um, and I, my wife tells me continuously that I'm a horrible communicator. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> but you know exactly how you're horrible. That's, that's where the degree comes in. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I think that like somebody without uh, a degree 
um, in communication might not know little tips and tricks that I do. Um, and I think that's completely fine. I think that's completely okay. And I think that um, as long as communication stays open between two players, you guys can work through any kind of issues, right? Because I've had sweaty, sweaty yeah. ass games before, you know, like got a little sweaty at Nova, you know, it is what it is. Um, but I think the game shop just doesn't have their air conditioning on. Yeah. Like <clears throat> I won't say the, the game shop's name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's, I think that with overall, what I think we're trying to say is just be careful how you use intent. I think intent yep. is, is a great point of the game. It's a great way to find common ground between you two, between both players. Just make sure that the game state is in its correct state. Uh, mm-hmm. When you ask somebody something, you know, and I think that, I think gotchas are also okay. That, I mean, some teams have them built in. Corsair player is never going to remind you that they have a three inch interrupt dash to charge, right? They're not like, there are certain things that are just innately going to happen is a, is a pathfinder. A pathfinder should always tell you that they can, you know, they can blow you up on turn one because they can <laughs> and they're back. Oh, yay. Um, <laughs> that's how you really feel Dakota. Uh, if I did, it would take another hour and it would just, <laughs> I would be labeled a Xenoist. Um, uh, yeah. Little blue people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be in Vegas, so you'll find plenty of blue men there. Exactly, uh-huh. exactly. They're I actually a great, will. They're actually a great show. Oh, they um, really are. Yeah, they are uh, better than Tao. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think that, like overall, like what what we are trying to communicate to you listening is that it's okay to have intent in the game. Just make sure that you're using it correctly, and you're not overusing it, and you're not asking opponent. Never, because if you say never, you know, you're going to lead yourself. You're, you're in that same realm of like, Hey, I don't want to ever be in the wrong. I don't want to mess up. I don't want you to Mm -hmm. have a gotcha. You know, it's, it's unfair to ask your opponents. Like you can ask your opponents again, do you have an extra dash? Do you have this? Do you have that? Mm -hmm. But like, it's unfair to ask somebody any kind of a never question. It's just, it's just not, not cool. It's rude. No, it's not rude. (laughs) And I guess I'm a cautionary tale inadvertently teaching the example of how not to over respond to intent. That's asking a little bit too much. Yes. Yes. And Hey, here's the thing. If the thing, if you just want to have a great game, Mm -hmm. tell your opponents everything you can do and just have fun. If you're trying, if you're trying to win, you have to hold some stuff back. Mm -hmm. But if you're a really good player, you don't have to hold anything back and you're going to beat them anyways. (laughs) <laughs> so, so you have to find that, that inner balance between what you want to do. Just don't hold things back maliciously, yes. you know? And I think that's, that's important in both narrative and casual and everything. Cause this happens. We've all heard about the, the sweaty game store player who like never leaves the game store and just tries and beats everyone too. Right. So, I mean, it happens in all walks of life. And what we're trying to tell you is, is, is ways to be able to deal with those kinds of players, those people, because they exist. We're all humans. We're playing mm-hmm. a competitive game. So just realize that. I guess an analogy for that I'm thinking about. It, so it might not be a perfect analogy, but if you're playing uh, Texas, Texas Hold'em and someone asks like, wait, with the five and the six and the seven, if you have an eight and nine, is that a straight? 
you say yes. You don't tell them that you have an eight and a nine in your hand. Yeah. Um, but you could just, you answer yes. Anyway, or, yeah. So I, I think that's a good way to kind of bridge Excellent that Excellent analogy. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Dakota. Yes. Do you guys have any <laughs> other things you guys want to talk about, about intent, or should we move on to the next little bit? Ooh. I just think it's, it's, this is the one last thing that I'll say. Yeah. And this is kind of what we've already went over as like, as a community between TOs and community organizers and trying to build up maybe their store is how, how do we go forward with using it and what, what tends to be acceptable that needs to be asked, not only in this country, but the other continents that are part of the play testers that play the game and that are popular, like Spain, Poland, Australia, and just mostly Europe, you know, what, what can be done in the future? Cause like you said, we're never going to get rid of it, but how can it be used effectively to where no one feels like it's being taken advantage of? So I think that people, it's going to be different in every region. We're never all going to agree because we all come from different cultures. We at culturally Americans believe in something, you know, different than people in France, different than people in Germany. Right. Like I think that, um, that like we might have a lot of similarities. Like America probably has the most similarities with like Britain and Australia. Right. Um, maybe. Um, but I think that I think that we have to we have to see what works within our own cultures and what works between each other. And I think that being more more educated on the subject is probably the best way because you know there might be some some places that don't have as much experience as you know like the American circuit. I find that I do not run into a lot of intent in the West, on the West coast, at least in our scene or in uh, the bat scene. That's where I've played a quite a few tournaments there. Mm-hmm. And I have not ran into a lot of intent, like yeah, I would intent echo in, that. in the wrong way. Right. Like mm-hmm. when I've gone to the East coast, there's been a couple of times where I was like, Hey, you know, like, let's make sure there's this, like there, there's going to be different areas and different, different ways of doing things. Or like playing against somebody from France or playing against somebody from, you know, they obviously flew all the way out to America to play. So you want to accommodate them as much as possible so that your your conflicts don't happen. I think it's impossible to every have everyone on the same page. I've tried to get all the TOs on the same page for multiple different things and I failed each and every time. So I don't think that having every single player in the world function on the same page i i I not only think it's bad because i think having difference of ideas leads to like progress but i don't think that everyone in the world is going to do the same way because what if you know what if france does it better you know what if greece does it better you know we don't know and we don't speak their language so like if somebody else out there has a podcast like we might not even understand what they're saying so and vice versa well, I speak Greek and I used to live there and I don't remember Warhammer ever being there. So I'm pretty sure they don't do intent better than us. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 
But um, I, it's I, I'm going to disagree with a little of what you said, Dakota, because I, I think it. that um, I, I really do think that it is something that should be standardized, at least the extent of intent, because um, when you see different clusters, different regions, different metas evolving out different habits, it usually starts with the ambassador or ambassadors that brought folks in and kind of cultivated those habits. There's a reason why there's regional differences, whether it's just the habits that form, whether it's a cultural thing, who knows, right? But there is a correct and an incorrect way to play a competitive sport, right? Like the, you can, you can talk about the, the Texas Hold'em example, you can say, well, my intent is to never step out of bounds when I play basket when I play football or basketball. It's like, yeah, but your shoe's on the line or it's over the line, right? Um, so th- there are boundaries, pun unintended there, um, to where intent should and shouldn't be used. And uh, for now, it seems like it's up to the TOs to make that call because it's ultimately going to come down to um, a TO solving that dispute when the degree of use of intent is not reciprocated across the board. I have the best counter to you. Go for I, it. Okay. I don't think that everyone doing the same thing is good specifically for this analogy. I think most of the rest, the rest of the world plays on Octarius, right? And then a lot of Octarius people think it's, you know, the bee's knees, even though it's getting boring, right? Um, but I think differently and I push my own terrain and I actively think that my terrain is some of the better terrain out there. And I think a lot of, some people on this podcast have agreed in the past before. I think that if I just thought the same as everyone else in games workshop, we would never have the progression that is a specific terrain built for kill team or built for competitive play. And I think that if, if I just would think the same as everyone else and just went along with what everyone else thought, this progression never would have happened. So I think that people thinking in different ways about intent is never, isn't a bad thing because if, yeah, some places might do it worse and I think some piece, people might do it better. So I think that having a difference of opinion is always better. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll counter your counter Go with another it. counter. Uh, I'm going to, Call out a you're, very you're a funny deck casting uh-huh. counter counter counter. <laughs> no, this is more of just an orc continually bashing his head into the force field <laughs> until it the power grid fails on its own. Um, He's playing red green and has abilities <laughs> to counter blue spells. There it is. Spells. Oh, more color blind. I, I I understood that. I <laughs> didn't at all. But um, <laughs> the um. God damn it, Dakota. What was I talking about? You were going to counter my counter. <laughs> um, yeah, I and I forgot confused. the counter. You did. It, it was, I hurt myself in my confusion. <laughs> oh my goodness. What was my exa- Oh, yes. Um, there's a very funny video of an Italian chef on a British talk show getting offended when someone calls his Italian dish like a British carbonara um, because it had a creamy sauce in it. Um, he responded hilariously, if my grandmother had wheels then she'd be a bike, it makes no sense. You can't just make that comparison, um, just because of a similarity. And 
my counter would be that the terrain's a different topic um, and disagreements and other ideas in that absolutely different um, from different perspectives with, um, with intent. But I can go along with you on that example and say that there's clearly bad terrain configurations, right? Um, you can look at a board and just say, yes, this is not More a healthy up. way. To- well, e- even just setting up, like you, you could take your terrain. And set it up in a way it's like, whew, yeah, this is not a good game. I've done that. I've messed around with your terrain and used used my own like kind of manifestations of layouts or tried to use your terrain to copy like a tabletop tactics layout and um, just didn't turn out well. So there, there are ways to not to have different opinions that are wrong. It's not, I'm not, not at all saying that there is um, only one What's a better way to say this? I'm not at all saying that it's not a good idea to have a conversation and have contrasting opinions on us. But when push comes to shove, there's going to be something that is clearly a healthier, better way to approach the game. Um, And the differing opinions in the conversation gets you to that point that's better for all involved. Um, That's what I'm saying. And that's that's what I'm trying to get at when I say that there really should be some uniformity or some accepted norm for intent. Um, when it all boils down to, and if, if France or Greece has a better way to handle intent, then hell yeah, let's do it. Right. Um, not willing to stick my, my heels in and just die on this hill, but, um, I have seen bad examples and I have seen bad habits and those are the ones that should be pushed away from to a more acceptable norm. Snuffed out of existence. In a way, just like the toe. (laughs) So Dakota's terrain is the town bicycle. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, I got you. Oh, oh, only if the wheels are on. Uh, only if the wheels are on a grandma. All right, if you sense. put Dakota's terrain on a grandma, does that? Make- <laughs> it makes it a bicycle. <laughs> it makes it a bicycle. If you've learned anything on this podcast, <laughs> it's not I too late Emmanuel, to buy a late. Emmanuel cast confused, and now I'm bashing my head against the wall, confused. That's right. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have um, we have a question from Eric, and then we're going to do a couple uh, Patre- Patreon questions. We have three Patreon questions. Oh, fine. Um, but Eric, you asked us at the, t- or before the podcast started. Um, what recent tournaments we've participated in uh or held over the holidays and kind of talk about a couple of those. I know you guys just did one pathfinders one (laughs) ruined it. Spoiler. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, from what I heard, wasn't there edible terrain that got removed over the course of the game? That is one reason why pathfinders. Okay. So we're starting with me. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I thought you guys were going to talk about. All right. So yes. Um, this year, well, let me restate. Uh, Plasma Spam, specifically Orion and I, the last two years now, wanted to make a very fun thematic event that wasn't narrative, but you know, around the holidays, sometimes people can get stressed about money or going to see family, all those things. And a lot of us, I think you can agree, use Kill Team as a way to get away, can just relax, 
play a game. You know, a lot of us like the rolling the dice mechanic and feeling how a certain kill team actually performs and how I'm sure a lot of you can agree right now to where kill team actually function more like how they are in the lore compared to some of the armies in 40k at the moment so you you really get to feel a lot more of the models and so orion and i got to talk got talking about a year ago about creating a christmas event to where you can play normally but then create gingerbread light terrain to where throughout the game for one command point it would be a tactical ploy you could use it at any time you remove one piece of terrain that that was only light and that was gingerbread and you'd eat it so you could have models hide behind the light. <laughs> i like the clarification that it had to be gingerbread as well <laughs> just pick up your opponent's barricaded plastic and just um, <laughs> it happens all the time and <laughs> it was so so we did that last year and we had about 20 players and uh, we got a lot of good feedback from it. And That's rad. yeah. So beside, uh, you know, last year we had, you know, ugly sweater, you know, best thematic person and best painted stuff like that. This year we went out a little bit more. Not only did we have the terrain supplied by angel and Orion, but we also had uh, Orion created some equipment to where you'd have presence on the board as well. And it would be a free mission action if you were within one inch of it and not with an engagement range of an enemy model. You'd roll a D3 and there were certain different things that could come out. You could have a snowball. You could have the mighty candy cane, which was like a melee weapon. You had the uh, the nutcracker, which was a a gun if you incapacitated a model uh they actually turn themselves into a gingerbread piece of terrain you <laughs> also had santa's sleigh ride which was kind of neat where you'd like walk through models like you had fly kind of and each model you'd run through would suffer d3 plus one mortal wound so you know just creating a really nice atmosphere uh we also had uh which o'brien also contributed was a whole into the dark board completely christmas style with snow christmas trees and even um led lights around which was really neat and we also had i really wish dakota that we actually got more in tune with our schedule for doing the hobby track because the amount of teams that came out customized for this event this year were absolutely insane and we definitely uh, got to yeah, I'll 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 send you pictures later of some of the teams. I mean, there were goblins, there were uh, the hand of Archon models dressed up completely as elves with candy canes. There were candy cane barricades. There was a whole display board. I mean, the whole nine, and we doubled in capacity this year just about we had 30 players and if you're ever running an event if you have i would say over like 20 something players you definitely need more than one to because by the end i was gassed man i don't know how you do these multiple day events and still have energy at the end of it um 
it's the way you do that is uh caffeine practice practice my friend practice yeah. practice, practice started off with security being on your feet all day and keeping your brain active and then you know just doing it over and over and over it gets easier trust me the more you do it the easier it gets it's just like a tournament it, the more the more tournaments you go to the the more your brain is is used to the, the amount of stress that you put on it <clears throat> Giacomo, uh, <laughs> we went to, uh, uh, we went to a Christmas event very recently, and we just had Chris Bakke on the past two episodes, and it was his tournament. Gee, do you want to talk Ooh. about that? Yeah, yeah, I do. I got to meet a lot of people who listen to the show. You know, shout out to them. Thank you mm-hmm. all for uh, for coming out, making the event very fun. The store itself, well stocked. Holy crap! I've never seen a store stocked with more kill team things. It was nuts. It was Let mad alpaca games. Mad they were, alpaca they were games, cool. man. I wore my poncho and everything. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. the name of the game shop. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have their dice somewhere. Gee, what did you win in that? Uh, best painted. And a box of Felgor in the random uh, raffle. Hell yeah. Congrats yeah. on the best painted. That was with your uh, Kazakhan, right? Yes. yes oh, they're amazing, dude. Thank I got to see them. Uh, I got to see them in... Uh, in real meat space at the uh, Squad Games holiday party. You did. Instagram, Wargaming underscore studios if you want to see them. Yeah. So I'll tell you a shout out before we go to Emmanuel. Um, but um, uh, KTC had a really interesting one I, I, I was talking to Eric about. Uh, KTC had a... They had... It wasn't a secret Santa or... It was kind of like a white elephant. Yeah, it was a white elephant, but... Um, if you beat your opponent, you could steal their, their present, but no one knew what it was until like the final round, uh, or just before the final round. So like if you stole your opponent, like packages every time you beat them, like you didn't know what you were going to get. Um, and, uh, so that's pretty interesting, pretty cool. Uh, I heard they had like 40, 40 something players show up to it. So impressive, impressive as always. Yeah. That's a lot. Pacific Northwest. Yeah. I think. We had 33 players at the Merry Mayhem. And then, Emmanuel, you went to a holiday party quite recently. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk yeah. about that? Absolutely, yeah. Um, the Squad Games holiday party was super fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, I uh, I remember uh, the conversation started. You were going to have a tournament around that time, but with lead up to, lead up to LVO and um, kind of a lack of a push to kind of get it done just because of a lot of folks having other stuff going on around the holiday season. Um, you can the idea. And I said, yeah, let's just do a holiday party instead. You're like, shit, that's a great idea. Um, you, you hosted it at, um, a shop that was fairly new in your area, loaded dice. Um, love that shop. Really great Uh space. They Um, made us affiliates by the way, if anyone wants to buy from a local shop rather than FLG. Oh, that's awesome order through our affiliate link, but it's only online orders. If you order in store, we don't get the credit. Okay. Okay. Um, noted, noted. I love that. Um, great store though. Um, I, I ended up getting, a bought something from there, the Sherlock Holmes cooperative board game. I've been looking for it everywhere. Um, that loaded games also pretty well stocked with kill team stuff too, but you had just a bunch of terrain around. Um, people were just playing some casual games. You did, a a white elephant um, with um, our team, our uh, kill team team slash club Southern discomfort. We did, um, we did a secret Santa at the event too. 
Uh, really, really fun time. Um, ended up not playing Kill Team at it, just came to hang out, met a lot of people um, that I hadn't met yet, and uh, Aiden was there too, um, a lot of other folks. It was uh, it was really fun. I enjoyed that quite a bit, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of making that, uh, making you, nudging you to make that an annual thing, because I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely a blast. Um, we had a lot of fun there too. Yeah, and just it's really fun just to hang out with a lot of folks that you just see and just do kill team with all the time and find out other random stuff about it. Like, who knew that so many people were into the Renaissance Fair? Right mm-hmm. um, now, I know that you guys are not allowed to go next year without me, um, <laughs> <laughs> especially because it's right in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're like 15 minutes away from me when you were there. And I found out like two days later, but, uh, just fun stuff like that to find out about all these people that share, uh, this silly hobby. Absolutely. So we'll move on to the Patreon questions near the end of our episode. Um, we have our first, we have three of them today. Uh, we are blessed. Uh, we have one from David and that is what squad games opinions and uh, you guys are also a part of Squad Games right now because you're on the podcast. So <laughs> feel free to please answer these as well. Uh, what is Squad Games' opinions on whether Guard should be brought out of close quarters or, or adapted to uh, the current Overwatch to allow for point blank Overwatches on open boards since we're moving into an open board uh, with Beta D? Um, this has come up a few times, especially when... ITD was new and I'm a hard no on that for one specific reason. Um, and part of it might be pathfinders, but in a greater sense, um, guard works on into the dark because the narrow scope of what that guard can accomplish. It's a very small cone that actually allows them to, have an effect but once you translate that out to an open board um and anyone can be on guard um it really it really um it's too hard to balance for um shooty teams become way more shooty um and it's already a challenge on open board for melee teams to cross that gap so shooty teams don't need more help um, preventing that gap. That, that's well, that's my what take. If, what if melee teams win uh, LVO? Still. <laughs> I, I mean, will say, I will agree with you. I think the one reason why you don't have it is Pathfinders, is Novitiates, <laughs> is Vetguard, is Caster Kings. Kings. Caster Kings. These, mm-hmm. these overwhelming powerhouses of shooting. Mm-hmm. If you just, if you give them the ability to to uh, just go on guard for, you know, be like, Oh, if you charge me, I'm going to shoot you or, or any, any other way mm-hmm. on an open board is when they already have an advantage is mm-hmm. going to be pretty detrimental to um, pretty much any other team. Because if it's just a normal guard, Oh, um, I have three uh, pathfinders on, on guard guard right now it's like okay well i'm gonna take my plasma and i'm gonna move it up here oh now now he gets shot and dies cool Uh, it just makes it so much harder for elite teams because it's like now there's like no counterplay um i definitely think it would be the wrong choice for 
open. And uh, I will say that I don't think that beta D is going to be competitive. So I don't think that we have to worry about it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that on, on beta decima. But um, I will say that the the middle chunk of what David was asking is probably the most important thing to, to think on because um, in a roundabout Overwatch? way, yeah, in a roundabout way, the reason why guard is part of this is because Overwatch is underwhelming, incredibly underwhelming. There are some teams that can make some decent use out of it, but um, it's far and few between. Overwatch is more often than not just an underwhelming thing. I think that, um, especially with elite teams, a way to make um, Overwatch feel more substantial um, would benefit the that. game. Um, but guard isn't the answer. And to to answer your your question, what if melee teams win LVO? Um, guard's not the solution to that. <laughs> just, just a plethora of nerfs. No, what, the, the solution is if, minus one Pathfinder operative. That's the solution. Ah, you're right. <laughs> what what if what if what if you're eligible for Overwatch? Then a model moves in, and as if it was in guard, it shoots, and now it's no longer eligible to fire Overwatch, and you can only do this once per activation per guy that has over. I think I'm explaining that weirdly. You know, so if Overwatch, if guard was the new Overwatch, essentially, uh, yeah. If you changed Overwatch to be that, like, let's say you got three Space Marines that are are eligible to fire Overwatch, right? Because they've mm-hmm. already activated your opponents playing more than ten guys. Somebody passes through, then. Uh, they finish their activation, not activation, they finish their action, then you have the ability to take a shot because of you know guard rules mixing with Overwatch, but now that guy can never fire Overwatch again for that round because he's already been eligible and shot. Instead of having to, okay, it's your turn to take an activation or take an Overwatch shot because realistically you're not doing anything. You're either going to be uh, passing because you can't take a shot or you take the shot, right? Mm-hmm. So why so not just like mix it sort of in? Free, it's like an interruption, it's like, yeah. It's a free guard but only uh-huh. if you are able to do Overwatch. Correct. Yeah, so you can't... I think if you use if you spend a CP, maybe, but I think, like, just giving pretty much all operatives, like, track target is kind of, kind of, kind of shitty. Well, well, I mean, think of it in the, concept, in the context of what he's saying, though, because it's when you're eligible for Overwatch, so it's when you have fewer models. So... A very wide team like Pathfinders or Vetguard, they're not going to have that opportunity. They're never going to have it um, unless they're on the ropes. And let's face it, if if, if they're on Vetguard, the ropes, they need help. If Vetguard <laughs> is is eligible for Overwatch into into intercession, then they done fucked up. A Ron. <laughs> yeah, they they must let have blessed them. themselves with a demo man. <laughs> yeah, let that las gun fire. Forget it. Just let it happen. But. Um, I, I think that I, it's it's an interesting thought. It's it's definitely better than um, just blanket guard because then it can't be used aggressively, right? It's not used at the beginning right. of the turning point. It's used for a team that is behind on activations, so that way they they remain relevant later into the turning point. Because Overwatch right now, like I, I never give Overwatch. Um, as a commandos player, right? You're gonna you're yeah. gonna go like I'm gonna pass you, but my turn isn't gonna end where you can Overwatch. So mm-hmm. this way, you end your your move, your dash, your move. Okay, you're eligible to be shot. I'm gonna do it mm-hmm. now. 
then if I, you know, I don't kill you, okay, you continue the rest of your activation. Yeah. And and you could still deny all that, but it would restrict what yeah. you were able to do. Um, so in effect, that model who's in Overwatch with this quasi guard would then um, still have relevance to the game state because you're restricting the movement of your opponent because of that potential interruption from your Overwatch. Um, I I I I think it has legs. It's it's an interesting idea. I really like it. Um, it can probably be broken in a way that the internet will yell at us in the comments after this, but as a current, as an initial, like first thought, first pass, I, I, I kind of dig it and I, I'd be willing to explore that further. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that it would buff the middle teams the most because it helps them versus hordes. Mm-hmm. Um, which I so don't know s- if, if that's a good thing. Uh, the normal teams, just like 10 operatives, eight operatives, nine. I don't know if scouts need to get overwatch against teams that they're already pretty decent into. Um, I mean, not overwatch, but you know, guard into on open. I think that it, it has an interesting side play for it, uh, but it would change the way that uh, horde teams function entirely. And I don't know if that's would be healthy for uh, people even wanting to play a horde team at that point in time, because it just kind of cool. stops all kind of all kind all of everything. You know, it's like, oh well, now I have ten operatives that can possibly shoot you, not just six. Um, just give them armor and contempt, and we'll you know we'll be fine. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> that's that's Boo a different man. thing altogether. <laughs> uh, You're pretty be willing to experiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, we'll it move on to limited. question two. It could be okay. limited to certain army sizes, perhaps. Maybe. Yeah. I say no. Yeah. I think it shouldn't be in open at all. But yeah. that's because I like melee teams. I like a challenge. <laughs> and I think if if shooting teams, I mean, overall, let's be honest. Besides melee summer and going into hey, the, homie, we still could be in melee winter. Everyone thinks it's the winter of bullets, but we, we don't could. know. But like <laughs> le- leading up most of Kill Team, which teams dominated for majority of Kill Team 2021 version? Well, check check this counter to that. So let's say you are a melee team. You're probably not going to be in engage until you're right about to charge them, right? Mm-hmm. Which means you've activate you've done your action to charge. Now they're no longer available to shoot because they're within engagement range, right? And then let's add, let's add something further to Overwatch. You can't choose to Overwatch anymore. It just happens if your opponent puts themselves in that position. It's no longer an activation to choose to Overwatch or something, you know? Hmm. I don't know. Like, I, I see where you're going with it a little bit, but ma- majority of the shooting teams, like the, the good shooting teams, like we brought up Pathfinders, uh, Casterkin, maybe even, you know... Uh, Dakota and I talked about this at Nova and I was like, hot take hearthkin are actually kind of good. And while I didn't play them great, you know, you saw them win a g- two ah. golden tickets. So <laughs> like imagine some guns that ignore obscurity. <laughs> ah, you hurt me. You hurt me. I'm just saying, look, look, I'm not, I'm not the right pilot. I'm not the right pilot for them, but you know, like, I mean, one of those wins has an asterisk. All right. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
Look, I'm a oh man. You're now you're going down the rabbit hole. You don't want to go down. So. What kind of question was this? So, we'll so move John on to question two before we jump. Uh-huh. So, Giacomo, I think I think I also like the idea that you have to Overwatch, but you have to either Overwatch or pass with someone who could Overwatch. And so then you can't after, Overwatch again. Correct. Yeah, if you would give them something powerful like uh, track target equivalent uh, with their Overwatch. That when you have the opportunity, you either pass with someone that would be eligible. Yada yada. I like that idea. Right. So you can sort of bait like, okay, he's probably going to try to overwatch. I'm going to bait it. He's not going to do it. All right, it's over now. They can't fire it again. Yes, correct. Yeah. There's 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 ways to to rules rules smith that into a fun interaction. I'd be willing to I'd be willing to homebrew a game or two like that. I think Overwatch definitely needs a little bit of like needs to be touched a tad because it would be nicer if it was better but i don't know if that's the answer it just needs to be more active there needs to be more agency to the overwatching player in my opinion yeah so we'll move to a second question from rob um so he's asking he's seen people on discord and reddit uh say things like a great use of color theory on models um, is that something that we could explain in color theory? I think I can to a relatively decent, decent way. Um, how about you fellas? I can do I can it in a very simple way. And then, yeah. well, I was going to say Giacomo, you can get way more complex about it as a more accomplished painter than me, but I, I was going to go for the basics, but you take it away. You go for it. Well, Okay, so basics are, uh, you know, you have your rule of thirds, complementaries, and everything. But let's look at the simplest way to do it. Start with your three primary colors. You have yellow, red, and blue. In order to make a secondary color, you mix two of the primary colors together. And then in order to uh, make, uh, I think it's called um, uh, Terry, Terry something. Trishendary. Yeah, Trishendary or something is like the third color. You mix a secondary with a primary so if you know those three rules and you know how to make colors, you know, uh, red and yellow make orange, you can discover your little triangle of colors, right, from there. You do need to use a wheel. In fact, actually, once you have a wheel, um, a color wheel, it's even easier to draw a triangle. Mm-hmm. And you can sort of see what colors are going to complement them. Uh, now, there's a further trick I learned from a different painter is once you have your primary colors or the, color, the, the three colors you're going to use, try using a mix of the same colors. In fact, you can almost make your palette of colors really small because you're just going to be blending colors together. That alone can bring a lot of uniformity to a model once you know those colors. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my quick take on that. So I have a quick take. It's very simple. Um, you go on Google and you type in Let's say that you want to you want to run Space Marines with a cold white, uh, like main primary color. So you would type in like cold white um, color scheme, right? And usually things will pop up with like five or six different colors, right? Or you can do you know uh, something else, and those will usually come up with your secondaries, your trishendaries, and all those kinds of things, and, and, and colors that look good together, you can typically follow those little color palettes, and you can usually paint 
a really nice model. Like understanding color theory is, is, you know, a lot of people just go to school for, you have to have a color wheel. You have to know what all these like weird terms are, but in essence, the easiest way to try and figure something out, if you don't know what, what paints to color your, your, your team, you can just search like a, uh, something on Google and it'll help a lot. I've done that with my, with my terrain sets and, you know, certain models and stuff like that, especially as a colorblind person, it definitely helps a lot. I mean, that's definitely a valid point, but I think for Rob's question specifically, he's more of like, what do they mean when people are saying Mm -hmm. use of color theory? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's the design of looking at something and going, everything blends so well. Why Mm -hmm. is that? It's because Mm -hmm. of color choices, which when you Google it, as Dakota mentioned, the person who's given you those lists of stuff did the color theory and found yes. the right colors or at least the preferred colors. Mm-hmm. So technically still the correct answer. Um, yeah. When what's Dakota saying just, this is with a little more context. Yeah. I think, I think another thing that's really important is that whenever you use a complementary color, you want to use not a lot of that complementary color. Typically. I was, I was going to so like, get into that. Yeah. Yeah. Red and green. You can, is are complementary. But if you put too much red and too much green on a model, you look like Christmas. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have a green model, there's a reason why orcs have a, like the red lips or red eyes. And then red like eyes, if yeah. you're going to do it, if you're going to have a red model, there's a reason why they have a, sometimes just like a little bit of green somewhere because it just helps, you know, uh, manual, you have something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I learned color theory in a very cheap way. Um, I went on Google and <laughs> I printed out a color wheel and I just taped it up on my wall by my paint rack. Um, and there's two general principles to color theory. And the, the essence of color theory, as I understand it, as someone who's hacking his way into understanding it, is um, it's about building your color palette by creating interesting contrast with an accent that complements your primary color, kind of like what Dakota was saying, that you don't want to go heavy on both. You want to choose your primary color. And one thing I read that really inspired me was your primary color. I I never had a choice in my primary color because I wanted to paint green orcs, right? And there's a lot of skin on yep. these guys, right? So my palette is restricted in a sense because of the the type of he's trying to fuck over colorblind people. <laughs> no, no, because, because of, um, the lore that I'm holding to, but other folks will do red orcs, blue orcs, that kind of stuff. That's all over the place, but I digress. Um, the easiest way. And the reason why I started with red suns, evil suns, orcs is that when I was learning about color theory I said, Oh, well, I'm going to do some splashes of armor panels and some accents of red on the model to kind of do like a, 80, 20, 90, 10% between the primary to in that, in that ratio of the primary to the secondary accent color, plus all the Browns and all the other crap that goes on these orcs. Right. Um, that's the easiest way to first engage with color theory is just going to the color wheel and just choosing a color that's on the opposite side or close to the opposite side of your primary color. That's going to be the complement, and the triangle that, um, that um, Dakota, uh, not Dakota, G was talking about is um, using either like kind of split complementary colors or doing like a, a, a triatric, I think they call it, 
um, selection so. where, yeah, um, triatric, triadric, something like that, um, where you literally draw a triangle from your primary and you just do a triangle and they could either be close to each other, the opposite side, the complements or far spaced, but you don't, you want to go like, it's like 60, 30, 10 or 60, 25, 15, as far as your ratios of your primary to one of the um, accents to another one of the accents, you never want to evenly split that stuff out. And you can really tell this from stuff like Tau models, right? Ugh, I can't believe I'm saying that. But um, they are always small accents on these mecha, uh, mecha, these, uh, these mecha battle suits that are primarily just one color. Um, so you want to, you want to hold true to that as well. And the final thing that um, was super interesting that I read is, well, what if my primary color is not a color, but it's a tone, like it's gray, it's black, it's, it's, um, whatever, white. Um, the accent color you choose should evoke kind of like an emotion. Um, like blues are kind of cool and calming reds are kind of aggressive um more like maybe angry purples are kind of sinister greens are kind of like magical or alien in a sense so depending on like when someone looks at your black space marines what kind of emotion do you want to evoke from that that's kind of the direction you go whether it's cool or warm colors and then kind of where on that cooler warm kind of what emotion you want it to evoke. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention next, but you got it. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, do you have anything you want to add? They literally took the warm and cold colors from me. I'm, <laughs> I am, I'm not a color wheel theorist. Um, unfortunately, I'm sorry, but I will say, um, I was talking to Will Hahn during Kill Team Open 2, and I put up models for a competition. And these were models that I painted in less than 24 hours before the event. They were, I, I had to wait for some of the basing products to arrive from the UK. And so I had less than 24 hours to paint. And he came over to me and he was talking to me about warm colors and cool colors and he liked the concept that I was going for but also said you know like there's some things you need to work on and uh, I would say getting feedback from not only professional painters but just people that have been in the hobby longer than you can really go a long way don't be afraid to ask your fellow hobbyists or um players that you see you know weekly at your store you know how can i get better or what would have you done differently too because then you're getting different uh aspects and thoughts about painting in general too which can be very um helpful in the long run absolutely, absolutely. jinx mm -hmm. uh, i want to ask one question to you guys since we're on the, the topic of colors do you guys know whether you're a summer or a winter? I don't know, but I want to know. Rakamo, you've, you've <laughs> told me this before, and I, I don't remember. All right. Um, it generally comes down to looking at your skin and seeing the what shit that you're saying you that you have like green in your skin. Yes. You're an orc. 
Yes, or you have you have uh, olive tones in my skin. Those mm. are generally warmer, so you'd be a, a summer. Where yeah. if you look at someone with really pale skin, and you can generally see more blue hues just mm-hmm. looking at their skin, they're winter. So you can do that experiment with yourself by looking at your hand, your arm, whatever, and uh, you guys decide what you are. This will I'm, also help you choose outfits. I am. A, I am definitely a summer tone. You are a summer tone. Yes. Um, I can definitely see like uh, winter tones better than summer tones. Uh, would, that would make sense because of mm-hmm. your color deficiency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's a fake colorblind person. Yeah, <laughs> like Giacomo keeps telling me he has green in his skin, and I'm like, "Yo, dude, you're not an org. Like, shut the fuck up." Holy <laughs> shit! Oh, oh my god! You, you've not so, noticed the uh, the green and red flecks on Giacomo's skin? Yeah. They don't exist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fucking Cool Ridge Dorito. <laughs> Makes sense the way you paint, my guy. Um, moving on to the final question. Um, we have it from Melty. Um, shout out to you, homie. Um, quick. This one should be pretty quick. Do you guys have any fun kit bash ideas, uh, you know, kind of going forward uh, that you plan on doing this year or soon? Gonna be something I already did. Orc Scouts. <laughs> I mean, yes, I did just finish that this weekend, but uh, <laughs> it's actually um, that legionary um, or not legionary, whatever they, the whatever the new team that they showed with the uh, okay with the Night Lords. Um, they had one of the guys with a Space Marine on a stick, and then they talked about how he's. He does like some weird voice thing with the Space Marine. Um, I made, I had this third party Grot um, holding a megaphone. So I uh, scratch built an amp for him to stand on and gave him a rock and painted it orange like a DS1 distortion pedal. Um, uh-huh. and, oh, hey, nice. Yeah. And uh, he's just standing on the, the amp screen. <laughs> the Wazacraft. <laughs> uh, you could you could do that. I was just gonna say like I straight up own a, a modded one that somebody made and I bought online. Oh no shit! Yeah, no, I just have a yeah the old DS ones that that, uh, that had the weird electronics. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. I mean the Wazacraft ones are good too. Anyways, yeah. that was a tangent. So going back to your amp. Yeah, yeah. So he's just a grot standing on an amp, evoking that um, uh, space marine on a stick. So uh, yeah, that's my fun kit bash I've done. Uh, I have a box of Felgor and I thought about Krampus. So I'm going to try to do that by next year. Oh, fun. I dig that. Uh, for me, um, I think I already talked about what I want to do for Kasserkin, uh, more action hero Kasserkins. Um, but actionkin. Uh, actionkin, but outside of them, um, I think a fun one, but I think I like, I'm going to get written the book for this one. Um, turning in uh, like my Votan that I have, making mm-hmm. them like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I love it. I love it. Um, I think it would be uh, quite fun, but I'm definitely going to get in the ri- written in the book for that one. Uh, most- uh, yeah, you, you definitely th- are. <laughs> you got to 3D print the actual 3D. dwarves. Yeah. Yeah, no, you do not. 
no. stop stop endorsing this i mean I, I guess the other three could just be with like the helmets and the other ones are exposed so you can see like who they are and i think i could live with that well yeah, snow they're, white they're like the- snow white's there you got prince charming and you got the witch boom oh, okay hey good save good save definitely need new heads but uh yeah make it so be, uh, make it so i also, don't i don't think it would I, be fun i want to do that one I just thought of it. Yeah. You could do um Votan as oh this is terrible. I regret starting this sentence. Votan as Kasserkin, but then just call them Kasserkin. Like spelled like the Votan would. Uh, yeah. I, I I started it in my mind, I was like, this is great. And halfway through the sentence, it's like, wow, this sucks. You're in the grudge book as well. <laughs> oh my god. i think i think a really cool one would be the worm blade done as um in saiyan armor because a lot of their worm blade stuff i already did one of them as it yeah yeah they 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 actually work as you know little Mm -hmm. saiyans Mm uh or frieza frieza men little frieza guys Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh but yeah how about how about you uh eric um unfortunately I haven't been hobbying much for kill team lately. I've been battling boxes of shame for uh, other games from GW just to get rid of the the boxes to make room into the book you go. But (laughs) I'm still working on the Votan actually speak Mm. speaking of. And um, I don't know if I'm going to take them to LVO or not. I, I don't know if you guys have the same problem as me, but I can tell you my coworkers and my teammates both give me so much crap for this all the time. I wait till about a week before an event. And that's when I start hobbying and painting for some reason. Uh, I don't know why it just always happens that way. I guess I get more into a groove. Do you guys feel the same way? Yes. Yeah. That's how I finished my Kasserkin. Giacomo will paint till six fifteen a.m. <laughs> Game and literally, literally, and then win best painted, and he's like exhausted. He's like, it "Was worth it." Yeah. And then he then he falls asleep at like ten o'clock while at a party. You know, yeah. he's cast out on the couch right that, next that to me. Pancho was so I have, comfy. I have pictures, G. I have pictures. <laughs> oh man, that's yes, me when I'm arrested. <laughs> I think this is an innate Warhammer thing. Uh, <sighs> yeah, it's that crunch, you know, that crunch gets you through it. Like the crunch on a crunch wrap supreme. Yeah. How did I know you were going to bring that up? Because it has <laughs> crunch in it. So Actually, while, I, don't, I don't really like crunch wrap supremes. So while we're rounding everything out, do you guys want to uh, give out any shout outs? Don't everybody go at once. I know, right? Like we we can't we haven't thought long enough. Uh, I'll go first. Um, shout out to everyone attending LVO. Thank you for making this the biggest event ever. Thank you to our Patreons, and thank you for everyone who helped me at the GoFundMe to really make everything happen. Uh, definitely means a lot to me and my family. Um, for all our patrons, thank you for supporting Squad Games uh, this entire year. And if you're new, thank you for supporting us forward. We very much look forward to making more and more content for everyone this year. I'll do some shout outs. Yeah. Um, 
the uh, you can find me and my hobby when I eventually post it up again on uh, my Instagram at eman.paints. Um, I've been neglecting the Strategic Advantage blog, which is strategicadvantage.blog for a couple months now. Life being pretty busy, but New Year's resolution and what have you. Uh, try and bring that back and uh, do some fun stuff on there. Um, and uh, shout out to Squad Games. Y'all are killing it. Keep on killing it. Thanks. Thank, Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Eric, how about you? Um, first of all, I'd like to shout out the three of you for allowing me to come on the podcast tonight. I know, like Dakota said earlier, this is something we've been talking about. I would honestly say back and forth for maybe about a month and a half, you know, just kind of trying to get this set up. So I really appreciate your guys' patience. Um working in a hospital and getting up early it's really hard for me to schedule a time with you guys and i'm glad we were able to collab through this have fun sleeping tonight my guy it's oh yeah I got, less than four, I got less than five hours before i gotta be at work so oh, so sorry caffeine is your friend okay. what we do for the kill team community just remember that so um so again, thank you very much for being so nice. It was nice to meet you, Emmanuel and uh, Giacomo for the first time. I've listened to your uh, Squad Games podcast for a long time. I usually listen to it at work while I'm doing some type of admin work on the computer. Uh, I'd like to shout out not only my coworkers, but also my, um, my team, Plasma Spam, for helping me become a better TO and just overall being a good team for the community and help growing the community itself for kill team uh nick orion dan everybody the the garrett's just thanks so much for not only the team but everyone else that knows me in the kill team community for helping to create this game and where it's going to go in the future thank you very much i appreciate it hell yeah uh, i'll go last then because uh, i'm all that's left you can find me on Instagram at wargaming underscore studios. Again, that is wargaming underscore studios on Instagram. And if you want to join the conversation, you can find us on Discord. Our link is in the show notes. We talk about Kill Team. We talk about Kill Team. And we talk about pizza, nachos, and whatever other things. Uh, but mainly Kill Team. And um, if you're looking to buy stuff, we have our new affiliate, like Dakota mentioned. Links will be in the description. You know, buying Kill Team stuff, buying hobby stuff. And, uh, you know, we still got the FLG affiliate as well. So if you're looking to buy stuff from either of those areas, you know, maybe both got what you need, feel free to do so. It gives us a little bit of a kickback, and we really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah. That's it. All right. Well, thanks for jumping on, fellas. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me as always. Had a good time. Thank you. The Squad Games Podcast is a production of Squad Games Entertainment. For more information on Squad Games, please visit our website at lustersworkshop.com slash squad games.